This morning's scripture is from Isaiah, second chapter, verses 2 through 5. No question but what that's working. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills, all the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction in the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Thank you, Jim. Such a marvelous reading. So full of hope. Of course, this this reading was written many years ago, well before the time of Jesus, and they were looking for Jesus, waiting for Jesus. Well, it's not before the time of Jesus anymore, and many of these things have already come true. In this reading from Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet immediately before and during the exile. This was the time way back, gosh, uh, 600 years before the time of Jesus, when the people of Judah were pulled, pulled from their homes, pulled from their holy city of Jerusalem, marched across the desert, and forced to live in exile in Babylon. It was a coming storm in the early days of Isaiah. He knew there was going to be an invasion. He knew trouble was coming. And the king had surrounded himself with yes-men who wouldn't, lis- wouldn't listen to Isaiah and who told the king what he wanted to hear instead of truth. And Isaiah was one of the few voices who said, no, trouble is coming. And yet he's also one of the few voices of hope when trouble came. Now, if you can imagine back then, as opposed to where we are today in the most powerful nation on earth. Imagine instead that you are one of the weakest nations on earth and you're surrounded by the most powerful nations on earth and they all have swords and spears and horses and chariots and weapons of mass destruction of a sort and they are all looking at you, licking their chops, wondering who is going to gain the prize of the city of Jerusalem and who is going to be the one to overrun and take it all over. Now, in that case, you have a little more skin in the game when you say you want swords beaten into plowshares because those swords are more likely going to be used against you in somebody else's hand, 
not used by you in your hand. A little more skin in the game. And yet, what this is predicting to come, the coming of the Messiah, if we look at our world today, we can see how the hope of Christ has already changed history and changed the world. Because today, we are the most powerful nation. And we have a powerful army. And we have things far more destructive than swords. And yet, most of us do not have the appetite to use them. And I think almost none of them delight in the thought of war. Our appetites, the appetites of the powerful, have been changed by this little baby born in a stable, probably a cave, in a little backwater town called Bethlehem. A great hope for us lies in the fact that even the most powerful can identify with the weakest and want their well-being to occur. That we, at our best, want better by ourselves and for others. That's the hope that comes with this season. It wasn't always this way. It wasn't always this way. Nations can be incredibly warlike and have been throughout history and had their minds on nothing but booty to be won. But then this Jesus comes along and he completes what so many of the prophets longed for, a time when we would not fight anymore, a time when we would care more about the well-being of other people that would be defined as our enemy. This time is already with us. And as is typical, God has more confidence in us than maybe God should have. We've had a couple thousand years now, and we're getting better a little at a time. A little at a time. And we're coming closer all the time to that point where war will be no more. We are already at a time where hungry people don't have to starve. We could feed every person on this planet. And in this country, we do a pretty good job of catching those people who fall through the cracks. We could do better. But again, we are inspired by this little baby that's coming. Women's rights. <laughs> we're getting better in this country, and we're trying to expand that out into the world. They say the number one way to fight terrorism is the education of women. If you educate girls who become mothers, they educate their little boys who would become warriors and they educate them differently. Women's rights is a key to peace in our world. And here we had a kid up here today <laughs> say that. Wasn't that awesome? And Jesus started the cause of women's rights, didn't he, for us? He did. Spoke to the woman at the well. She was one of those kind of women. And he was a rabbi, and he should not have spoken to her. That was against all convention what he did. Mary and Martha, she has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her. She's allowed to learn at the feet of the rabbi. Well, some of the teachings have been used for a rock in the road of the cause. But the dignity and the honor 
and the respect that is beginning to be afforded women, I think also has its basis in our faith. And we're getting better. Again, God is probably a little more confident in us than God should be. But we're getting better. As I said to somebody earlier today, if you reach all your goals, it means your goals aren't set high enough, right? Right. And our hope comes from the incredibly lofty goals that God and the Christ have set for us. Incredibly lofty. That we would beat our swords into plowshares. That when we are slapped by our enemy, we would turn the other cheek. That we would give our coat and our cloak to somebody else. That we would share our last scrap of food and make it stretch far enough to feed everybody. All these things that Jesus spun out are all based... Someone got a call from Christ. I'm not sure who it is. <laughs> You've been called. I can't wait to see how you'll answer that call. No. All of those things are based in hope. So I'm going to encourage you today on this first Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of hope, to realize not only is it your hope, for the coming of Christ in new ways into your life. Not only is it your hope for the world to change, but even more important, it is God's hope for you and me to change it. For you and me to be the first to take our swords and convert them into plows. What is that anyway? Well, a sword to someone would be a way to defend what they have. And a plow is something that you would use to grow nourishment. And when you convert your defenses into creativity, that's the hope of God. So each of us can, in hope, take some defense mechanism we have, something that is an obstacle to us loving more fully and living more fully and hoping more completely. Take that defense mechanism, whatever it is, and change it. Lay down that weapon, lay down that prejudice, lay down that grudge, and turn it into something creative and something nourishing. That can be done pretty easily. It can be done as easily as a phone call, if you dare, to someone that you really have a problem with. Or, if a phone call will only create more problems, a neat thing you can do if you can't be in touch with another human being with whom you have a deep conflict is pray for them. Not for them to change. Not for them to see how right you are and how wrong they are. You pray just this. God bless, insert name here, and really insert the name there. God, please bless this person. That puts down your sword of anger and frustration and in its place creates a, a space that you can plow and turn into a garden if you pray only for that person to be blessed. Have any of you tried that before? First few times, it really stinks, doesn't it? You want to you wanna add an addendum. God, please bless so-and-so and help him to see what an idiot he is. <laughs> Let him get what's coming to him. Any number of other things. Now, turn that sword into a plowshare. Put down your defensiveness. Put down your grudge. 
pick up. Pick up the hope God has for you. And all of us. God has too much confidence in you and me. That's why God gives help so we can reach the goals God sets for us. And one of those primary goals, my friend, is that we might be all that God hopes us to be. And we can do this with God's help and Christ's example. We can do this right now in this marvelous, marvelous time of year. This Sunday, the Sunday of hope, may we go out there and be hope for other people. May they see in us not the nagging person who insists commercial Christmas isn't meaningful, but the hopeful person who just with the infectiousness of our hope and our gentleness and our tenderness gives a hint of just how much more the season is about than the blue light special. Hope, may it overflow our world, may it overflow you and me. May we learn from Jesus' example and from Isaiah's call and put down those swords and plant that garden. Amen.